0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Courtside Convo, Uh, night of recording. It's October 27th. You'll be hearing this next day, October 28th. But um, it's hate week on Michigan State's campus. The Spartans play um, Michigan on Saturday. So a lot of things going on. Also Halloween weekend. But what's most important to us right now is NBA basketball. What's most important to us all the time is NBA basketball. So that's what we're going to talk about. And the season's kind of... uh, really in full swing now. Games every single night. Um, takes are being formulated now. There's a lot of games uh, that have been played, teams that have surprised us, that have disappointed us. We'll get to both of those um, both of those categories, but we're going to start off a little bit different today. We've got a little new segment. Um, pretty corny calling it the tip-off, but um, we're each just going to pick a random stat. Uh, there was really no other context, just a random stat to bring up. Uh, we don't even have to discuss them that much. Just kind of a little icebreaker here. Um, so I guess I'll go first. I I have a cleaning the glass membership because I just kind of like looking at at that website and the way it's set up is really nice. Um, all the advanced stats are a lot of fun to look at, even if I don't understand them all. But what I do understand is usage percentage and. Um, when sorted by wings in the NBA, Cade Cunningham has the highest usage percentage of any wing in the NBA this year. Um, I believe Bradley Beal and Devin Booker are two and three, I don't know which order, but those are the three, and Cade is leading that at 31.4%. So um, we'll get into the Pistons a little bit more, but I just thought that was interesting that he's had um, not the greatest start, but it doesn't. he hasn't stopped his confidence, he's still involved in a lot of plays, moving the ball, taking a lot of shots, so that's good to see, but I just thought that was interesting that he, uh, uh, even with the addition of Ivy, I thought maybe that might drop a little bit, but no, has not at all, it's actually risen. So uh, I guess we'll go to my right here, we'll go to Josh. Um, oh, sorry, I didn't even, we don't have, uh, we have, uh, didn't go over our cast today. We got Josh to my right, Jack in front of me, and AJ to my left, uh, Carter and Josh Rypan could not make it, but... uh you will hear from their voices. i promise, promised uh, some point in the year. Ricardo was here last week, so to my right we got Josh. What's your uh, what's your little icebreaker stat you got for us?
1: So I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Portland for this. Uh, Shaden Sharp has scored double figures in three of their five games so far, uh, yet he has not played more than 21 minutes in any of those games. That's incredibly impressive to me. I know there's a lot of questions with him, particularly because he didn't play at all last year. And was selected so high in the draft that, you know, there was some there's some questions about the pick. It was kinda of similar to when Darius Garland came out and Cleveland picked him so high that, you know, there wasn't a question of the overall talent, but more of just, you know, what you were getting, the experience level and stuff like that. And he's been phenomenal. I mean, he had fifteen and eight last game in twenty one minutes. And I just think the fact that he's been able to score at such volume without even getting the minutes yet is, is very impressive.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um he was somebody that if the Pistons would have fallen a little bit farther than five I wouldn't have hated them taking a chance but I was scared of that pick but he like you said he's he's filling it up and it's been fun to watch um really athletic too Jack what do you got for us
2: yeah so I saw this uh stat courtesy of NBA crazy stats on uh Twitter it's a good place to go for this yeah <laughs> yeah exactly you know just browsing their page um but I found that uh, Kevin Durant has the worst box plus minus so far this season at negative 58, which is oh, pretty yeah. sizable. Uh, James Wiseman is up there, negative 54. Um, and we got two Rockets and Jalen Green and Jabari Smith at negative 53 and 52. And then Jordan Poole is down there as well.
0: Yeah. So, I actually saw a few days ago, I don't know if this is uh, holds true anymore, but a, the lineup of um, – a lineup of – that consisted of Ben Simmons, Kyrie, KD, Claxton, and somebody else for the Nets had the lowest um, net rating of any lineup that has played at least 35 minutes this this year so far. So that was surprising to see for sure.
2: That's brutal, yeah. And then I did want to touch on one guy who's on the opposite end of the spectrum, is Nick Richards of the Charlotte Hornets. He's been playing really well. He's got a plus 57 box score, or box plus minus, so he's been playing great.
0: Yeah, they just pushed the Knicks. They should have beat the Knicks last night. Yeah. yeah, they've been playing well. Dennis Smith Jr. also been playing
1: well for them. Yeah, it's, it's good, good to good see good to him see, come yeah. back. Yeah, I actually wouldn't be surprised if Richard starts at some point. Yeah, especially, especially in this, that team. It's just <laughs> pul- it's just Plumlee over him, and Plumlee's a solid player. But I mean, if Richards is going to keep playing like that, he should yeah. he should start pretty soon.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, AJ, what do you got?
1: Yeah, so mine was uh, about the Washington
3: Wizards. Uh, they've gotten off to a three-one start so far, and I think they're gonna. Have a decent year for their standards, but uh, right now their interior defense is one of the best in the league. They are tied for first uh, with the Heat for opponent points in the paint. They're only giving up 40 a game so far, um, and they're also top five in blocks. They're averaging 7.3 blocks, So, and we got to see that firsthand when mm-hmm. the Pistons faced off yeah. against them a couple of nights ago.
0: Yeah, Kay didn't didn't really seem to, to enjoy playing yeah. against them going into the rim. It seemed like he was getting blocked every time. Yep.
3: They defended the pick and roll really well, but mm-hmm. yeah, they, they, uh, they're defending the paint really well right now. I don't know if that's if it's sustainable because I mean they're doing it at a really high level. But I mean if it is, then I think they're gonna win a lot of games this year.
0: Also, was it you that was high on on Will Barton first episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he yeah. Yeah. he torched the Pistons and he's been playing well too. And it seems like as of right now that they have they might. Be winning that KCP trade at least early on because their guards have been. Johnny Davis isn't even in the rotation right now. Right, I looked at yeah. their injury report. I was like, I was wondering if he was hurt, but
1: they're pretty deep. Yeah, at, yeah, at, they're at the really, really sneaky deep on the wing too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean Hachimura is a you know the he's eighth a big body. Or eighth or ninth yeah. guy now though too. I mean, that's pretty deep.
0: Yeah, and Kispert's yeah. been hurt. He hasn't even been playing. Yet. He's that's that's in their shooter. Yeah, so I, I don't think
1: know.
3: I think Bradley Beal said. I could be wrong, but I I believe he uh said most recently that this is the deepest at the guard position that the Wizards have ever been, like, in his career so far. So
0: He also said that Porzingis is the best big man he's ever played with.
1: That's probably true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's probably very true, <laughs> considering yeah. when he was young, they were rolling out Gortat and Nene. Gortat, Gortat I, was nice for him, isn't it, though? Nene was, yeah, well, nice, too, playoffs, Nene was yeah. nice, too, but I think Porzingis is entirely oh, yeah. different talent. Most talented. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Definitely been, most talented. You just got to stay healthy and keep it all together.
1: I think
0: me personally, a lot of people may have just— Overlooked the Wizards mm-hmm. in terms of play in, even like playoff status. But I don't know. They got they got if Bradley Beal's healthy. I mean, it's one of the best scorers in the league, and then they got depth around him. So it's not going to be a fun. Especially and now like the stats you're bringing up, they're defending the, the rim well. It's not. It's not a fun team to play against for anybody. So
2: that was me. I was yeah. the one who overlooked them. <laughs> I did. I, too. I did not believe them yeah. at all. So
0: we'll, you know, it's a nice surprise. We'll get into a team that I um, overvalued in a second here. Mm. Uh, But not the Lakers. I didn't know the value of the Lakers. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll start with the Lakers. Might be the biggest storyline in the NBA to start the season. Um, One of them, if not. um, They're 0-4, which is semi-surprising. A lot of blame on Russell Westbrook, Um, and he hasn't played well. But they did play last night and uh, lost by 11 points to... Uh, the Denver Nuggets, who I believe Michael Porter's, you know, wasn't playing, um, but Jokic was still playing and playing like an MVP level player again. Um, it just we talk about them every episode so far, but it's worth talking about their depth has been horrible, and then it's I don't think this means anything, but it is funny that LeBron has hasn't been tweeting too much, but when he tweets, it's usually about uh a young guard going off, um Jordan Poole. Uh, t- tweeted about was it Anthony Simons? Yeah, yeah.
2: like eleven fire emojis. Yeah. And also,
0: yeah. I didn't write this down, but that report about uh, the trade that Rob Polinka turned down with the uh, with the Jazz that was Bogdanovich Conley, um, maybe somebody else, but th- just those two. Bogdanovich for the Pistons, leading the NBA in in three pointers, shooting almost fifty percent from three. He's been he would be a godsend for them right now, and um, they decided not to trade. So I was just wondering, um, what your guys' thoughts were on the Lakers and, and what, what the Lakers and, and Westbrook too, especially.
1: Um, so I I'm not very surprised by how they start. I'm a little surprised by the zero and four, but I mean one and three wouldn't have surprised me at all. Um, I think that, especially when Westbrook like if if Westbrook, AD or LeBron don't play this, it might be one of the worst teams in the NBA. If any of those guys miss, it's one of the worst teams in the NBA just because they have no depth. And the guys that they're counting on to then start when those guys don't play are guys that probably should be, like, more so flirting with, like, being, like, a 13th man, like, G League stuff. I mean, they're rolling out guys that casual fans would never even hear of, you know, when they were college stars. Mm -hmm. Like, guys that just – I mean, Austin Reese, nice player, fine player, but, like, that's – Kind of where they're at. That's like the fourth best player on that team right now.
0: Yeah, I I remember him having a good game or two in the tournament his senior year, but if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't know too much about him other than what he's done in the NBA, but I wouldn't have known too much about him before that. Yeah. I get what you're saying. I you know. think
1: the thing, the hardest thing about the Lakers in general for me is that I want to call the entire thing a failure because of how much young talent they gave up, but they got a ring out of it. Yeah. Like, like you look at around the league, like like they I guarantee you they wish they had Josh Hart back. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you they wish they had Kuzma back, Ingram, all those guys. But like they yeah, we didn't even mention Kuzma when we talked yeah. about the Wizards. But. And they and they got a, but they got a ring out of it. And so I can't really call it a total failure, but I it's definitely not a success.
0: How many because I'll ask Jack or or AJ here, how many he talks about failure. First, do you think you could call that trade a failure, or if not how many bad years after this until you think people start really calling it a failure? How many years does the ring how many good years of goodwill does that ring last you because they don't have any picks? They don't have a bunch of young talent on that team. I don't really know if Le- I guess A D is signed long term. If Braun leaves, I don't it's just A D and that's about it.
3: Well, <clears throat> in terms of it being a failure or not, I think at the end of the day you did get a ring out of it. You'll always have that. You'll be able to hold on to that. But from a longevity standpoint, I mean, first off, this team team wasn't built to be good in the future. Like, this was a team that was very top-heavy that we expected to be good now. So there wasn't much of an emphasis on the future in the first place, uh, which is what I think got them in trouble. Because no matter how great you are, I was telling someone this the other day, in any sport I feel like, you have to always think about, the best, like, keep the future of your franchise in the back of your head somewhere, no matter how great things are going in the present moment. Like, you just have to. And I feel like the Lakers neglected that. I mean, and obviously trading away all those guys, you know, it. I, I don't, it's not surprising to see how great everyone has become. Ingram has been great. Hart has been great. You know, Ball, when healthy, is I think one of the best floor generals in the league. Um, we expected to see all of that, but they didn't want to be patient. You know, they wanted to rush things, and as a result, they mortgaged their future. I mean, similar to what a lot of teams have done, but I, I don't, I, I, can't sit here and call it a failure um, just because they won that ring, but I think it'll likely result in them being mediocre for the rest of the 2020s, as much as I hate to say that. And you have to hold on to those two picks. Mm-hmm. I know we haven't talked about that, but I am a firm believer— that you have to hold on to those two picks. Those are those are all that you have right now. And with the way everyone's circling around those picks, trying to get a hold of them, I think that should force them to tighten their leash on them even more. I don't think you give away those picks. Mm-hmm.
2: I agree. That's exactly what I was gonna say. I like, you know, I think the AD trade at face value was worth it. You know, you got a ring. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to win with LeBron, and they did that. Um, but you know, I think they have more potential chances for failure. Uh, if they give up those picks and especially if they even if they get Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, you know, like the uh, fabled trade package they've been offered. And if they get that package and they don't win, that is a huge, massive failure. Um, but I think I think more so than the AD trade was maybe the Westbrook trade was a failure. Um, and I love Russ. I've been a big supporter of him, you know, hoping he would come back and prove people wrong. But um, I think that that team was just never going to work. Uh, whether Russ played great or he's been playing like he has been recently. um, I just think that that was a a bad option to try to improve that team and win now. Like, it just didn't make sense timeline-wise. It didn't make sense fit-wise. It just didn't make sense at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree when it it comes to – I think a a ring is a ring, Mm -hmm. and, like, I think that makes it worth it for a long time just because – it might just be me as a Detroit sports fan because we're just so (laughs) deprived of, of championships. Um or even good, any good team. So, I just think that if any, if if the Pistons won a ring, if they went all in right now, I would be upset, obviously. But if they win a ring, I it'd probably be like five to seven years where I'd be. I would go back. I would get mad and then be like, okay, I got a ring. I'll mm-hmm. calm down. I could. I'll. I'll be happy.
3: I just want to touch on this. I think it's also different for L. A. because we're so accustomed. When Los Angeles is good, they're good for a while. The championship, their championship window always seems to be a little longer than most other franchises. Like, I think we've grown accustomed to that. And I, frankly, I think a lot of teams, you expect that from a lot of teams. When when guys, when franchises win championships, they're in the playoffs for their windows open for quite a amount of time, and that door shut very quickly for the Lakers. Yeah. So, I think
0: a good comparison would be the Clippers because they haven't won one yet. But they went all in with those trades, and then they spent a lot of money, and their roster is looking ten times better than the Lakers yep. for now and the future. So, if they don't win a ring, I guess if the Clippers are are good for for uh, say five to seven more years, and they get close, they even make a finals or two, but they don't win a ring, that'll be that'll be a conversation to have. Uh, what do you got?
1: Well, I just I, that's a good point with the Clippers, but I, I think the fascinating thing about that is that the Clippers have still been able to get mid-level or, or veteran That's minimum true. guys. <laughs> Who can play. And for whatever yeah. reason, the Lakers can't get those guys. I don't know if they don't want to play with LeBron, if they don't want to play with Russ, if they don't, if they just don't want to deal, if they don't think the Lakers are good enough. But they're not getting those, like in the past years, like Paul Millsaps, DeAndre, John, you know, they had Dwight Howard and they won a ring. I mean, that was that type of guy for mm-hmm. them, that depth, mm-hmm. aged veteran with experience. The Clippers still get those guys. The Clippers have a better owner. They have a better coaching staff. Yeah. And so I think it's interesting, because I think that is a very good point. Both teams, those teams went all in, but it's been interesting to see the Clippers be able to function as a team that's still contending, whereas the Lakers are kind of not.
0: One last thing, I just think that when you say you don't know how, and I don't know how either, I think... The biggest blame for me is on that front office because sure. there have been like Demar Derozan before he went to Chicago said he thought for sure he was going to be a Laker and, and, and
1: he was going to take a discount. Yeah, he was. All, that's he was what willing I'm saying. So I don't think him, yeah. I don't
0: think players are totally against at least last year. Maybe right now it could be different because yeah. a lot of things have gone on. But like I still think it's the Lakers and it's still Brown and it's still AD and it's still one of the best franchises in sports in general. So I think it's just my opinion is the front office has. Uh, let them down because I think that they've For had sure. opportunities and they just like there's kind of we, we go over it all the time, but there's just that that roster just not built. All right, I agree. now to an Eastern Conference team who has disappointed early on um, Philadelphia 76ers, one in four, and they haven't played, they just haven't been good at all. Um, they are 25th in the league in points per game um, and assists per game and they are 30th, last, dead last in rebounds per game, which is kind of wild to me. Um, four players are averaging double digits in B at 27.6, Harden at 25, Maxi at 20, Tobias Harris at 12.6, and after that, not much else. Um, and they are also last in field goal attempts. So this is a team, when I said, Earlier on, I said this is a team I overvalued. This is, the Sixers are that team, and I guess they could still turn it around. But I had them in the Eastern Conference Finals, and that is not looking like a very good pick at all. And like I said on the first episode, I am known to jinx some teams on here and make some bad predictions. And this is looking this is a front runner for that this year. So, um, what do you guys got on the Sixers?
1: Um, I I I had them in the Eastern Conference Finals as well, and. It's not looking good, but I think I, I'm a lot less worried about the Sixers than I am the Lakers because I think the Sixers have a very, I'm not saying it's easy, but they have a very obvious way to fix their problems, and it's trade Tobias Harris for the depth that they don't have. It's that simple. I mean, he's 12.6 points a game and less than six rebounds a game that he's getting, he's a $30 million player. Mm-hmm. If he's not scoring and rebounding, he shouldn't be there. It doesn't fit. They don't need his scoring anymore. They have three guys at over 20 a game. Trade him for, you know, wherever. Send him to Cleveland. Get bench depth, whatever you want. Send him to wherever. Send him to Charlotte. Get bench depth. They need depth. That is their biggest concern. They don't need scoring. They don't need some type of elite stopper at any level. They have good defenders. They have good defenders on the perimeter. They have an elite defender in the interior and in Embiid. They have a distributor and Harden. They have no options outside of their big four. And moving Harris fixes that. I don't think. The Lakers have nearly as easy in a solution as that, and somebody still has to take Tobias Harris, but I think you could move Tobias Harris for two, maybe even three lesser players, especially considering you have to match contract value, and that, to me, would fix that problem for them.
3: This is the second time that Philly has done this recently, and it's quite concerning. You know, they signed Al Horford to a $100 million deal, and from the start they did not know how to use him the the fit <clears throat> the fit was horrible it was very clunky and and a lot of people you know blame that on brett brown but i mean also it, it just goes back to how the rosters rosters constructed um they had no idea how to use him and then they tried bringing him off the bench but frankly i don't think you pay somebody 100 plus million dollars to bring them off the bench um and now we've seen it we're seeing it with Tobias, where he really doesn't have a place on this team anymore because they they have so much scoring elsewhere. But like you said, I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you is there anyone that you got, any other franchise that you guys can imagine taking on that deal, I mean, in return for some depth? Because I, I really can't think of one. I mean, right now I imagine his value is also pretty low. But, I mean, that's just a lot of money for a team to eat
1: right now, and I don't know who would be willing to off the top of my head. I think depending on what Philly asked for, the Caps would do it. I Cavs. think because I, he I fits think Cavs, so perfectly. Uh, yeah. He fits I agree. so perfectly into what they want to do. And he, then who do you think they ask for in return? Some combination of Osmond, Dean Wade, and Lavert or something like that. Because you have to match the salary yeah. and, and whatnot. Maybe Kevin Love, but I don't think the Cavs would do it if they asked for Kevin Love. But there's enough, maybe a Coro, there's enough wing talent in Cleveland's bench mm-hmm. to at least grease that wheel a little bit. Cleveland's also got plenty of draft picks. They mm-hmm. haven't really been, you know, they haven't really been careless with how they throw around their picks. Um, I I think that's kind of why I said that when I brought that up. I I think that's to me that's the best fit for both sides, not not the Philly side, but the Tobias Harris side, yeah. and and then the the team receiving him. I think the Cavs make a lot of sense because that's the one position that they just don't have, you know, a legitimate answer to. Dean Wade might be the small forward, LeVert maybe, but it, Tobias Harris is better than both of those guys yeah. for sure. I think Cleveland's a good landing spot.
0: I just don't know. I th- I think Cleveland would have to fall in some pretty hard times this year to 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 do something like that. But I I, I do think that on paper that would make a lot of sense. So yeah, it's a good team.
3: I think Cleveland's roster could really benefit from like a point forward type of guy. I think Tobias would be good. But I think I think if they got a small forward who could bring the ball up and initiate the offense a lot and take ball handling duties off of Garland and Mitchell, because I think both those guys are really good playing off the ball as well. I think they could really go to the next level. But I think Tobias would be a solid addition That'd as That'd well.
0: be such a nasty starting five actually. If yeah. everyone healthy, Garland,
1: Mitchell, Tobias, yeah. Mobley and Allen. Well, and it does it does fit too because it kind of reminds me of how Philly used to be where t- <laughs> Tobias Harris wouldn't be the third best player on that Cavs, but he'd be the third option because mm-hmm. he's going to get more shots than Mobley and Allen. Right. I mean those guys aren't aren't, you know, score first guys. Yeah, they don't hunt their own shots. Yeah, exactly. So just like when Simmons was in Philly and Embiid needed a second option and Tobias Harris actually had enough value to be a 35 million dollar player. You know, in Cleveland, he's fifth or sixth best guy on the team, but he's the third option. He still gets those shots. He still get that 20 point a game value out of the guy. Any other thoughts on uh Philly?
0: All right. I added the Blazers in here for uh for Josh and also because they've been they've been great and they've been one of the best well, one of the biggest stories in the NBA and more drama got added last night because um well, they dro- they dropped their first game they're 4 and 1 they're still first in the west but Damian Lillard gets hurt and he has been he has been um Damian Lillard he's averaging 31 points on almost 50 40 90 um percentages and um my question really is to Josh and uh, all you guys too but first to Josh um, is this Blazers team, I, I know you think they're legit, is this Blazers team legit enough to survive a Damian Lillard injury if this is going to be a bit longer than that one or two weeks?
1: My answer would be a pretty comfortable yes if Gary Payton Jr. was healthy. Because I feel like that, especially for only one to two weeks, is a really good option to just fill that spot. It doesn't fill the offense, but you get defense and maybe you end up in some lower scoring games. They've already shown to be a lot better defensively, and I I, I, I think because what's going to happen now is it's probably going to be they move Josh Hart to shooting guard and Justice Winslow starts. I don't really like that because Justice Winslow has been their backup center at times, you know, his small ball lineups. You know, he's been a really surprisingly big part of their bench and what they want to do in the fourth quarter. All of a sudden having to rely on him 10 to 15 minutes in the beginning of games throws off their whole rotation, I hope they start shading sharp. Mm-hmm. because I think that's the way you get that offense back, but I don't know if Chauncey will do that. I, I'm a little worried. I, I am. I'm a little worried about them with Lillard going down, especially because it's lower body, and that's what it was last year. I hope this isn't a case of where this is just the beginning of the end for him, where he's just going to have these nagging injuries until – I'm not saying the end of his career, but I mean – Yeah, end of he, his prime. He's he's up there in ages, you know, and – this is where guys usually start slowing down. Everybody might not be Steph, you know. Where where there's, they're just going to be ageless, and I am a little worried. I think it's nice though too. They do get the Rockets this week. Is their first game without Lillard, and I think that's a, He's into that. that's a pretty nice yeah. first first game without him, especially when the Rockets are kind of having their own problems right now. But I I am I think it it's it's a big test for them for sure. I I don't really know how comfortable it be.
2: Yeah, I mean I think you never want to see a player get hurt especially not Dame but if it's going to happen this is a good time to have it happen you know early in the season a couple weeks in this is exactly what you were saying like you know they can test themselves you can see if Anthony Simons is really that guy you can see what you can get with Jeremy Grant when Dame is not there when he's having an off night or whatever um, but you know they've been playing good team defense and you in on paper that doesn't go away when Dame's not there you know he's not their defensive piece or anything so i think this is a great time For it to happen, they can challenge themselves. They can see what's not working when Dame is not leading that team. And, you know, Chauncey Billups can learn a lot about this team too, especially with a lot of new faces coming in.
3: Yeah, I think it could be beneficial. I mean, especially if it's a short-term injury like we anticipate it to be. I think it'll just give guys an opportunity to sort of step out of their role to do a little bit more, Mm -hmm. Um, which I think will be good, especially for a team that's so young like this team is. Um, I would hope that starting – sharp is something they're open to doing just because I mean he's playing pretty well under the minutes that he's been able to get and you know this is obviously a short-term thing so I'd say just roll the balls out you know and give him a chance to
0: yeah I think that out of all the teams who have had like an unexpected good start like I think of Utah um I think that Portland is a team that I don't think they'll finish at the top of the list but I think that this is a good team and they're better than I thought and I think I know it's five games in but if Dame is healthy, I think this is a playoff team mm-hmm. and a team that could um, really bother somebody in the playoffs when they play them. I don't know if they'd win a series, but I think that they wouldn't make it easy um, depending on the matchup. Um, but it all, that that ceiling relies on Dame playing how he has been playing, in my opinion, just because he, he could be, at, at his best, he could be a top 10 to 12 player in the league. and He's proved that. So um, you, you losing a guy like that, um for long periods of time i don't really know um how serious uh you can take a team like that if if he's going to be out for that long um all right we'll go to detroit now pistons um the opposite of 4 and 1 they are 1 and 4 um came on here last week really excited talking about how this team might surprise some people this year and now it's looking like they won't but you never know. It is still early. They did fight with the Hawks last night, and they looked better. Um, but still, one and four. That defense is rough. They're going to give up a lot of points this year. Um, injuries, Bagley injuries seeming to be bigger than uh, I, I think a lot of people thought it would be because that front court r- rotation has been a little interesting, and there's already talk um, about the 18-year-old Jalen Duren possibly starting. Um Cade started off slow, had a big game last night, um, slowed down a little bit in the second half, but looked like the best player on the court with that he shared a court with Trey Young and he looked like the best player on the court in the first half last night. Um but so we'll see. back to Dern real quick before I give it to you guys. One of the biggest questions, you guys I know that you guys want to talk you have a lot to say about the Pistons, but One small question I wanted to ask is how serious do you think Duran's starting could be? His stats right now, 8.2 points, 8 rebounds, playing 20 minutes a night, but per 36 numbers, 13.8 points, I think it's 13.5 rebounds, 2 blocks, and only 2.7 fouls per 36. And obviously that's way that doesn't track exactly because fatigue sets in, and I don't know if he can play 30 minutes a night without fouling out every single night. But rim protection, rebounding—they need that in their starting lineup. Cade needs a lob threat, a better pick and roll player. I think that that archetype fits much better with Cade than Isaiah Stewart right now. And I don't know—I don't know if Dern's ready to fill that. But it's a—it's definitely a question. That's not something I thought five games into the year.
3: Yeah, I mean, like you said, I don't think it's something we anticipated, but it's been great to see so far. I—I'd I, say at this point, I'm honestly not against either one. You know, I have, I don't think there's anything wrong with being a little conservative, bringing a guy along slowly. I mean, especially a guy like Durin. Duren is such a spark plug right now, and especially their second unit is really depleted. So I wouldn't be against keeping him in that second unit just for a little while and maybe just staggering his minutes a little more to play with Cade. Um, but if, if they were to start him, I mean, that would be great too. But like you said, I, I worry about the fouls and the foul trouble. I mean, he's just so aggressive, like... If you start him, are they're gonna? If you start him right now, then you have to be ready for him to get into foul trouble, and then you have to be ready for him to play probably even less minutes because there are gonna be nights where he's probably gonna pick up two fouls within the first quarter.
0: Yeah, teams teams will go right at him.
3: Yeah, they'll mm-hmm. go right at him. I mean, and he's really young, and he's been great, but he's also, and we can we can see it, he's a bit undisciplined when it comes to just jumping, you know. And there's a lot that goes into being a great interior defender in the NBA, and he certainly has all the physical attributes to be that guy, but I think, you know, he still has plenty to learn, too, so I'm not against either one, but right now, I'd have to lean more towards bringing him off the bench with the the way the second unit is looking.
2: Yeah, I would have to agree with that. I mean, I have no problem with Duran getting significantly more play, but, you know, I, of course, you don't want to rush him, but, um, you know, it, it is hard to consider, um, you know, with uh, Beef Stew, we thought he was going to really be uh, kind of, well, I don't know, you know, there was an expectation that he might be shooting the three a little bit more this year, maybe make him more playable with Dern or spread that offense out more, make him a more unique uh, duo with Cade, and he's shooting 18% from three through the first five games. So, I mean, it's just brutal, you know, it's good to see him taking a few, but it, it is a tough choice between, you know, Stu, where he's undersized a little bit, he's not as dynamic of a pick-and-roll partner, and Duren, who's just, you know, like we've all said, A little undisciplined, and you know, it's just a a big question mark right now for his in game longevity. So, I'm curious about we'll go to Josh. I'm
0: curious about Mm -hmm. overall what your thoughts on the Pistons are, but also I didn't even mention Bogdanovich uh, too much, but um, how you think he fits with that with Cade and the rest of that team.
1: Well, I I think. Even going back to their first game when Bogdanovich was 6 of 10 from 3, you saw it right there. I, I, I think Bogdanovich fits well. I think my biggest thing with the Pistons, and, and any one of you guys can answer this for me, but I'm curious to see which... Because obviously Cade is a centerpiece. Durin looks like might be, and so does Ivy. But like which which of these young guys are going to end up getting moved, in my question, to improve the rest of this team? Because there's no way that like out of bay... Durr and Stewart, all of those guys aren't going to be there long-term. I don't think that's how the NBA works. And considering all of you guys you know, have watched that team a lot, I'm just curious because I don't think any of their young guys are bad players. I like Bay, I like Stewart, I like Ivy, but at some point some of those guys are going to have to get moved to get the vets around the core guys that are needed to help them grow. And I'm just curious as to what you guys think.
0: I think right now, Cade, Ivy, and Duran are—I wouldn't. Untouchable is too far of a word, but those are the three guys where I think that um, you want to wait and see those three like grow together, and then Sadiq is very close to that. But I think Sadiq is tradable if it is a big win trade for the Pistons. I don't think they're looking to. I don't think they want to trade Sadiq. I think Stewart, they also don't want to, but I think he's a, a step below that. Okay. And then Killian is fighting for a roster spot. For sure. I don't yeah. think that he factors in that much. That is my ranking. I don't know if you guys have any opinion on that.
3: Honestly, I'd say Stewart, I think, is the guy that I envision getting moved. Um,
0: you think? I think Durin will probably end up being the five for a long time.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I do too. I I really do. I think... Sadiq like you said is just a notch below being "quote unquote untouchable" but I mean his I think his future and his upside is just too too bright too high right now to even consider moving him. I think Sadiq is going to average 25 a night someday. Whether that's on the Pistons that uh, remains to be seen but I, I don't think you trade a guy like that right now. And he's he's similar to Brunson. They both went to Villanova and the fact that he came out, you know, a little later, spent some extra time in school but he's just gotten better every single year. And so I would never want to let go of a guy like that because, I mean, their track record and the way they work, I think it speaks for itself. I I just want to keep a guy like that around for as long as I possibly could.
0: I'll, Jack, I, I know you – I want to hear your answer too, but just sure. quickly on Sadiq. Um, I think that if they're able in this draft class to get one of the top players in pair and add them with, like, say Vic, say Scoot, Amen Thompson, one of those guys, I think if you keep Sadiq, I think he – Truly, could be one of the best bench players in the league if that is his role. And I don't, th- I think that he, his role, I think he will end up being a starter in the league like that. He might be already right now like that a starter on a lot of teams. So I don't want to put, <laughs> excuse me, I don't want to put a ceiling on, uh, or a cap on a ceiling. But if they happen to, to want to keep him and pull one of the and pull and get lottery luck, I think Sadiq as a six man would be and maybe he could even finish some games at that point, but I think that he would really fill it up, and, uh, if he had that attack mindset coming off the bench, it would be, instead of being the fourth or fifth option in a starting lineup, I think that would be beneficial for him.
2: Yeah, I could definitely see that. I, I mean, he's such a strong scorer just on his own, and he can play off the ball, too. You know, he can do a little bit of everything, he can defend with his length, and, uh, You know, he's a strong guy, he can get some rebounds, so I I agree. I think he could fill pretty much any role, um, you know, starting or off the bench. But um, as far as my rankings for our young guys, I think really it is too early to tell. Um, But, you know, this year I don't think it's wrong to question whether one of them will start being shopped or something like that. Um, But I, I do agree that Stewart is probably the lowest of the what five or six young guys we have. Um, who are really trying to develop, but, you know, I'm not saying I want them to trade him, but I think he's the only one who really brings something that we kind of already have in that core. You know, Cade is such a unique player, such a great leader. Ivy's obviously an athletic, you know, uh, I don't know, miracle and whatever. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but, you know, he's a unique talent for sure. Sadiq is one of those just do everything guys. Um, and Duran obviously has a ton of upside. So, you know, if I, Beef Stew is not going to Develop into that stretch big that they're kind of pushing him towards, you know, you might be a better fit in another team.
3: I think there's going off what Jack said, I, I think there's plenty of time to figure that out. I mean, we yeah. have, I mean, and it's more than evident now, we have not rounded the corner yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't even know if we're, if we can see the corner just yet. So I think we still have plenty of time to see how everything plays out. I mean, and the NBA works in strange ways. I mean, when you have four young guys, you have a, a core like that you're bound to figure out at some point who you want to keep around and who should probably be shopped. So I think in time things will speak for themselves, but as of right now I just say, let the guys continue to develop and giving guys minutes is the most important thing because that's how you gauge guys, um, which they're doing. But yeah, I think we have plenty of time to figure it out.
0: I got two quick things uh, before we get to two storylines to end this. Um, One, if Bogey continues to play like this, I wouldn't hate trading him to a contender. If the, if he will have a lot of value if he's if he's shooting like he's obviously not going to shoot fifty percent from three and lead the league in threes the whole year, but um, the way that and this kind of leads segues into my next point, the way that Ivy especially has been he's second in um, actually he might be leading rookies in assists right now like five and a half a game. And his playmaking is way, like, much farther ahead than I thought it was coming out of college. So if if Cade and Ivy are creating these shots for him, he's going to get open looks uh, this year. So he's going to – I think that he's going to shoot – he's going to be one of the best three-point shooters in the league um, regardless. So those those are my two points was Ivy's playmaking and Bogdanovich's trade value um, because he is – third. Bogdanovich is 33, so he doesn't really fit the timeline if – the Pistons are worse than what they anticipated and they might be, like you said a little farther behind so his trade value could be something that Troy Weaver we could be looking at the at next year's draft with a uh, a first round like a first round pick or a first round pick and a good second round pick and we'll be talking like we got these picks for Kelly Olenek and Saban Lee which is ridiculous so yeah, great work by Troy Weaver there regardless of if they keep him keep Bogey or not so um Anybody else have anything else before we move into uh a...
3: I think it it would be great to obviously get some more assets, but I think at some point, and I'd say sooner rather than later, we have to find some vets. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not even guys who can necessarily contribute on a nightly basis, but just some good vets around the league that could just help this team. I, I mean, agree. Um, and that's something Weaver has kind of touched on before. Like people have, you know, obviously you want to get as many assets as you can, but Weaver has – said on record like you can't have 10 to 12 guys under 22 on the same roster they'll eat each other alive and nobody will come out of it you know as the player you anticipate them to be so yeah I mean if we do trade them great we get some more assets but I think we need to start spending some of our money maybe not a lot of it but some of it towards just bringing in some guys who can help from a locker room standpoint I agree all
0: right we got two little storylines here we'll wrap up with. First, Carl uh, Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, a little bit of drama. I don't know if – well, I, I don't, I'm not the biggest – I don't follow the timber rules that closely, so I don't know how much drama it actually is. But on social media, it's picked up some steam. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, in a press conference, asked about um, Anthony Edwards, or I don't know if he asked specifically about Ant or the young players, but he said um, he hasn't taken care of his body as well as he should have, and he doesn't think it's funny when he um, – uh, when he talks about eating fast food and Popeyes and stuff um, during press conferences. So I just thought that was a little weird to call your teammate out publicly. I don't think that's a bad... If he's saying that to him behind closed doors, it's a little... That's different That's him being a leader. But it seems like he's trying to be a fake leader, in my opinion. Um, next night, Ant goes out 34-3-9, and it seems like Minnesota's... The, the Timberwolves have posted a lot about Ant uh, on their social media, so... I don't know. I was wondering. I just want to know what your guys' thoughts on that were because I just thought that was this uh, the NBA. Oh, there's so much drama in the NBA. That's why we love it so much. But I just thought that this was a uh, this is probably a story we'll forget about by the end of the year. But I just thought it was uh, funny to talk about right now.
1: Yeah, I think that this might just be Cat kind of doing what Cat does sometimes. Like he he's always had these kind of weird like beefs or, like, being bothered by it. He had the thing with Jimmy Butler. He had things with Wiggins, like, sometimes. Like, this is – he just kind of seems – I obviously don't know Cat. He seems like he might just be a particular guy like that where sometimes – kind of like how LeBron, sometimes things just get under his skin. And, you know, he's going to let you know about it. And this is something that, like I said, he's done it before in different, different contexts. And I don't really think that – it's going to jeopardize their season or anything because I'm not I'm not as high on Minnesota as a lot of people seem to be. But the baseline for that talent that they do have is like a six or seven seed. So while I might not be as high on them just for my own reasons, I, I, the talent is there and you can't really argue with that. And this just might just be Cat being Cat because they're three and two. It's not like they're struggling. You know, they had the one uh, the one game, I want to say it was, was it Utah? Somebody beat them that shouldn't have beat them. Yeah, it was it was Utah in one of them. But other than that, they've been great. And they, they, they had 134 points last night. I, I, I'm i not super worried about it. It is funny, but I just kind of think this is Cappy and
2: Cat. Yeah, I just, it's just such a weird thing to, like, air out. I mean, you know, it's like you said, maybe he's just kind of, being a fake leader or whatever just trying to seem like he's having some impact on the other younger guys or whatever but I don't know I I think if it's gonna bother anyone it's gonna bother Kat I don't think Ant will take anything from this and I think he'll just keep playing his game and the Timberwolves will probably be fine
3: yeah I mean Ant's 21 like I think it's inevitable guys guys at that age regardless of how great they are still gonna eat what they want do what they want um Especially if you're scoring 25 a night. Yeah, I mean, and and Ant is like a worker. Like, I think at some point he'll probably hire a chef and do all the things that, you know, top-notch guys do. I have no doubt in my mind that he will. I mean, Jason Tatum said he just cut Popeyes out of his diet. Like, I don't know (laughs) if you guys saw that. I I mean, obviously that hasn't really hurt him. I mean, he said fatigue, you know, factored in the, you know, him – the. I'm not playing well against the Warriors, but I mean he was also hurt. But still, I'm not worried about it.
0: I saw a funny tweet. So it was like talking about how um, Popeyes just signed the craziest ad deal with the NBA, <laughs> and no one knows about. It's like two times in three days. It's in. It's like headlines for some reason. I, I, the cat thing I get, but I don't get why. Well, I guess it's because Cat said it, but just weird just scrolling through Twitter and seeing that I had needed to know that Jason Tatum cut Popeyes out of his uh, whatever out of his diet. Yeah, I think the, I think the, uh, sorry. Oh, no, my uh,
1: bad. I just was going to say, I also think it's pretty funny that this is coming from Cat, who's a guy that for the first, like, four years of his career was pissing off all of his veteran teammates (laughs) by being immature and playing too many video games. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't think Cat's done enough to be doing this type of thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and like like we all said, I don't, I think it would, this is probably going to end up being a non-story, especially if um, they continue playing decent or. Are pretty good, so um, yeah. But and last last thing we'll touch on today is we got to talk about Palo. I mean, if this season ended today, if he wasn't the unanimous rookie of the year, um, I'd be very surprised. He's been he's off to a historic start for a rookie. Um, it hasn't necessarily led to any wins or zero and five, but um, I do, I still that still doesn't change my optimism for for him being able to play winning basketball because he did it in the tournament. Um, just his game kind of fits that playoff style. He can get to his spot at the elbow. He's a big guy. He can get rebounds. He's been playing better defense. Um, we'll run, over stat- run through his stats real quick. He leads rookies in points per game at 24. That's crazy, 24 points a game. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, second in rebounds uh, with 7.6. Second in assists, 3.2 and he uh, leads rookies in blocks, 1.6. Just I'll touch on the Pistons again really quick. Uh, Duren's tied for first rebounds, and Ivy's leading in assists. So, But Paolo, whatever, just had to get that in there. But Paolo still would be rookie of the year. Um, What do you guys think about it? I mean, I know as Pistons fans we saw it firsthand. Corey Joseph saw it firsthand in the first (laughs) game. But just what are your thoughts on Paolo, and what do you think his ceiling as a player is?
1: I actually had a question for everybody with this too, because he's really close. Do you guys think that he is going to become the sixth rookie to do the twenty-five and five? I think he the, definitely could twenty points, especially five, on this five team. rebounds, five assists. Because he's mm-hmm. the only thing he's missing right now is the assists, and that would put him in with Michael Jordan, LeBron, Luca, Oscar Robertson, and Tyreek Evans. No, it's crazy that Tyreek Evans is on that list. He was an insane He Tyreek was really good. Was so I am nice. that's not shade know. at Tyreek Evans. Tyreek Evans was awesome. Yeah. But I mean that's a very exclusive company and he's he's already he's he's very clearly over the mark for points and rebounds. So that's that was my question because that's a pretty exclusive category for him to be I in. I
0: wouldn't put money on it but I think I I also wouldn't be that surprised. Okay. Especially cuz he's going he's going to be the
1: vocal point of that offense every single night, so for sure. That's about where I'm at. I was just curious to see what everybody thought.
0: I think he's super legit. I can't believe that Jabari Smith was uh supposed to be the number one pick all summer. No no shade to him. I was just catching a stray right there, but <laughs> I can't believe that Paulo was mocked to drop to 3 and I'm sure Houston fans are well, I don't know, that's only been 5 games, but I I'm sure that uh through 5 games they would rather a Paolo right now.
2: That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, AJ and I did a lot of talking about you know, the prospect's ahead uh, of the draft and everything, and he had Paolo at one the entire time. And I, d- I-, I completely agree. Like, I don't see how Jabari Smith was ranked above him for so long. Um, and it was even a little bit of a surprise on draft night. It was seemed like a lock that the magic him. Yeah, Right up until, like, mm-hmm. a few minutes before the draft. Yeah, <laughs> but it just makes so much sense. I mean, he just looks legit. Obviously, Jabari is really interesting with his size and his shooting and all that, but I mean, Paolo just does everything so well, so he's awesome.
3: Yeah, I I always felt like Paolo was head and shoulders above the guys in his class. That's not a knock against the other guys, but I've just—I've I've always felt that way about him. I mean, and I know I've said this already on the podcast, but I just—I see so much of Melo's game in his, uh, just with the footwork, the movements, the way they both score within the mid-range, and— If you guys remember this clearly, like, coming out of Syracuse, Mello was head and shoulders above everybody, outside of, you know, Braun, of course, that year. But, I mean, he was the best player in college basketball at 19. And it was the same thing for Paulo last year, um, except he was 18. But 18 had turned 19, though, in his freshman year. But, yeah, I think Orlando's found their guy. They haven't had much direction since the White is really left, they haven't been able to find you know their next franchise player, but they've got it, Impalo, and I think he'll be around for a long time.
0: Yeah, I, when I watch him, I can just see how his game will translate. Hopefully to for hopefully for Orlando to playoff basketball in the near future, because I can just see him taking over a playoff game. Like some players, and again, I'm not, I, I'm, I'll never hear it anyway, so whatever. But like, I love Jalen Green, love his game. He's super exciting. Like, I would much rather have a player like Paolo in the playoffs than Jalen Green. I think that, um, I think that he's just so inevitable at some points when he gets going. Like he's getting to the elbow and he's getting a shot up, and there's nothing you can do about it. And you can't bully him because he's bigger than you. Mm-hmm. He's fast. He's fast. He's strong and go up, up. He can. He's he's not the greatest defender, but he's 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 one point six blocks a game. He can make plays on defense, and he will get better on that end. I think that he is going to be a force in the Eastern Conference for a long time, or wherever team he's on, he's going to be a force. So, I just, yeah, I'm. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't felt this way about a non-Pistons rookie because Kate. I was obviously I was biased. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs)
3: but yeah. No, I mean, I was really hoping, and Jack can attest to this. I was really hoping that the Pistons. Were, would be able to get him. Just because I thought oh. I thought that would have been I, – I, I said this, if we got Paulo, that would have been the end of the rebuild. Then it's time to start winning if you're able to get Paulo. Because I I feel like I saw this coming. But, yeah, going back to what you were saying, though, I think he, he just plays winning basketball, like, already. And I think Orlando is going to take leaps very soon because of it. Like, he's not like a lot of young guys where he's going to have to go through a phase where he's scoring 20 a night and realizes, oh, wait. I'm still. We're still not winning. Like I need to do things differently. Like he already affects the game in so many different ways that translates to win. So, yeah, he's head and shoulders above everyone in his class right now, and I think he's gonna be great.
1: He's a Seattle guy too. Which is. there's a long Seattle's NBA a hotbed pedigree. George, Jamal yeah. Crawford, they Brandon Roy. They, they need a team they so do. bad, and they I do. mean, it doesn't make sense why they don't have a team.
3: And everyone wants to play at home right now. Yeah. Like I like, if Seattle had a team right now. I mean, so many. Guys. I'm sure Dejounte would want to go back, want to go back home at some point if things soured in Orlando. Apollo probably looked looking to going back home. Like, yeah, they need a team
1: badly. But yeah, I just, I just thought that was. I agree, and I just the Seattle thing helps because that those guys, I feel like those guys come into the league so much more polished. I don't know what they do in Seattle and <laughs> some of those camps. They just, they have such a like. Jamal Crawford had it too from a very yeah. young age. It's just he's just got a, such a flair to his game that I think Ben Caro has for sure. Which is crazy to see at his size. Yeah.
3: They look out for each other out there. Like Absolutely. They really do.
1: Brandon Roy, I, I think he's coaching at a high school out there. He is. He's yeah. coaching at yeah. Yeah. the athletics are a really good a really
0: good feature on Brandon Roy about his life after basketball. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He doesn't he doesn't come around a lot. He hasn't been back to the, the Moda Center.
2: Yeah. I don't think. But have the the Hawks played the Magic yet this year? I'm curious to see how oh, DeJounte and Paulo, you know. After the little know. spat this summer, you know, they've got that. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's a rivalry. Who knows? Curious to see to, if they get a mismatch. I don't
0: believe so because I don't think that. I think the first road game the Hawks played was in Detroit, and I don't remember Orlando okay. going to Atlanta. Or, or yeah, Orlando going to Atlanta.
3: Yeah. They'll play them on November 30th. Jeez, that's a ways out for yeah. division rivals.
0: Weird. All right. I think we're going to end off script really quick. Everybody, Michigan, Michigan State play Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, just quick predictions We'll go left to right. AJ, what do you got? I know I'm putting them on the spot. I did not put this
3: on the script. <laughs> Michigan State, 33 to
2: 30. Okay. Wow. All right. I don't have a score prediction. I don't want to get my hopes up. I'm just going to say Michigan's long snapper better bring his A game. <laughs> That's all they need to be worried nice. about. Yeah. Um,
1: this
2: is
0: a – Josh is an, uh, a – the new Michigan State face here is his first year here, so. But he, I know you've uh, you've been uh, a fan of couch sports for a while. For sure, and I will say. I, well, th- actually, yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I, no, no. I no. guess I was I was saying that to ask: Have you understood this rivalry <laughs> since you've been here? Well, that's
1: what I was going to say. Is it's it's definitely because I know Michigan State's kind of having you know, not meeting some of the lofty. Expectations. Oh, it's a down year. Yeah, it, it's a it's down year. A, but I mean, I I transferred from the University of Akron. That's a down year every year. Yeah, <laughs> you know that. I mean, Michigan State scheduled those guys as one of their tune-up games this year, uh-huh. so uh, it's definitely. I think the first when when Big Ten games started was one I was starting to enjoy that a little bit more and get it because yeah. when you're playing MAC schools, I mean, nobody really cares and everybody knows you're going to beat them. But I um, I'm going to go thirty eight. Thirty-five Spartans. Wow! Because okay. it's always a kicker. I, I, it's always a yeah. kicker. Mm-hmm. It's always a. It comes down when they beat when they upset Ohio State. It comes down to a field goal when they upset. It's it's always some kind of special teams play. Yeah. So I can't I, I can't I can't I can't go too crazy. But I I do think Michigan's more talented, but they're beatable, and it's a rivalry game. I yeah. mean I mean in Michigan State's got plenty of talent, and they and they're bringing back they they brought back a lot on offense. I know it hasn't worked out super well, but I I think. Michigan's a vulnerable team.
0: Well, I'm surprised by the optimism, and I'd hate to do this, but I don't think <laughs> State will win. But I do think i have on the SRZ podcast, I did say confidently that they would cover the 23 points or whatever it is now. I think that will be a game in the fourth quarter. It will be a one-score game in the fourth quarter. Michigan might pull away at the end. But I think that Michigan State will cover, and they will build enough momentum to carry them to three more wins um, throughout the rest of the year and get to a bowl game so that's a stupid thing to say To say that they'll be they'll lose with integrity because that's dumb a loss is a loss especially in a rivalry game but I just saw it in, after Wisconsin they're going to play better but they're just not good enough to beat Michigan in my opinion and I hate to end it on that note I wish I would not have gone last but um, that's going to do it for us we're running close to time uh, appreciate you if you're still listening um, everybody be nice to people and Enjoy NBA basketball.